How you doing? That looks it's like Hannah. How's it going there, Hannah? Good. How are you doing? Great. Am I getting you from Connecticut? Yeah. Yes, beautiful, beautiful Connecticut. Well, we are connected. Stanford. Exactly. Exactly. Stanford, the hub of sports. Well, we're connected <laughs> to talk about, first and foremost, the wonderful idea that NFL is still on Amazon. For somebody who hasn't watched the NFL on Amazon Prime, how does it compare to the broadcast that they may have been used to for years? Well, what you're going to see on Thursday nights is you, you have your choice. You can watch myself and Andrea Kramer call the game. You can watch a scouts feed. You can watch a Spanish uh, feed of the game. And what we're doing is we're taking all of the pictures from Fox. We're taking the Fox broadcast and we're really putting our own spin on it. We are calling the game, but we're doing it. You're going to see the same video that you see on Fox, but you're going to hear different voices. So um, it's really fun because people search us, whatever device you watch on or or shop from, I guess in this case, um, you could search Storm Kramer on Thursday nights and our voices will pop up. And uh, it's really cool because people, people choose to watch us. They really want to watch us. So uh, we have a pretty loyal following, and we're in like 220 countries around the world, which is very cool. So it sounds easy for the consumer, yet for you, very freeing to be in a situation where you're calling your own shots there. Yeah, it is. I mean, we have to, the challenges, I have to follow everything that Fox is doing. Um, so it makes it, uh, nice and challenging for me because I'm taking a right-hand turn, a left-hand turn, um, you know, sometimes tap dancing around all the video and the graphics and so forth, but it's sure. fun. I like it. Uh, we are very early into the season. Any predictions as to who we're going to see in the Super Bowl, or is it just way too early to even guess? I know, I know, right? But of course we all do that, don't we? I mean, we pick Super Bowl favorites before the season even starts. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, um, I think they've got some work to do. Uh, the, I'd love to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but they're turning the ball over too much. They really are. So they have to take care of that. And their defense just, I don't know if any defense is good enough to sustain. In week three, they had you know four turnovers and a loss, but I think the Chiefs have some things to clean up. Um, to me, big revelation, if I, if I had to pick a team now that I thought was the best in the NFL, I'd say the Rams. I would say that you know Matthew Stafford was the missing piece for them. He really was. Uh, Sean McVay is like some you know, crazy talented chef who's making a complicated dish, but he didn't have his main ingredient, right? So yeah. now he has his quarterback. Um, he has a contemporary. He has a partner in this venture. Um, he has an incredibly smart quarterback, an incredibly motivated quarterback. And I think as long as the Rams stay healthy to me right now, as we sit, they are my, they are my Super Bowl favorite. They, they are my favorite to win it all. I'm blown away that you just called out the number of turnovers like that. Is there anything else in life that you're that encyclopedic about? <laughs> I am kind of a, I don't know if I, I'm kind of a numbers person, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I luckily I've, you know, I have a pretty good, I have a pretty good retention for facts. Yeah. <laughs> now in doing my research on you, 
I know about your past as a classic rock DJ per se. Are you that oh, way yes. with, with liner notes and who played on the records and songwriters? Did you know it like that as well? I, I, I've got a, I've got a really good one for you. I am on the uh, brand new Lil Nas X album. How about that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, the number so one rapper needed- in the world. Yeah, they needed somebody to do a tra- a radio DJ track. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Um, my daughter, my daughter's in the music business, and so the producers at the eleventh hour uh, called my daughter and they said, "We need your mom." And so, in a commercial break and Sports Center, I I voiced over this little DJ track. So uh, I think it's I think it's a, a really really good song too. So I actually went to like the Lil Nas X release party. So I was right back in my music mode. It was awesome. And your credits as a DJ are not just that you spun the records. You actually interviewed members of Black Sabbath and Heart and Motley Crue. You oh, were actually oh yeah there. Oh uh huh. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? Like. Everybody rolled through there like Kiss, right? Quiet Riot, um, Hager, Sean, Aronson, and Shreve. I mean, that, that's going way, way back. Oh, but, yeah, I know, who, it, I know exactly cool. who and what you're talking yeah. about right there. Motley Crue, Motley <laughs> Crue. Um, you know, I mean, really cool stuff. And the thing is, when I was young, you know, my mom really wouldn't let me listen to all of that. So then... Totally in my element. Queens Reich, remember them? Scorpions. I mean, all that stuff. I used to play, I used to play that stuff back to back to back to back. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. So then the most important question I'm gonna have to ask, aside from promoting the Amazon NFL colossal, wonderful broadcast that we're <laughs> regularly seeing with you, is is it Roth or Hagar? Who is the better Van Halen frontman? Um, David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth. It, it, I mean, anybody, anybody who has ever seen them in person has seen Van Halen. It was David Lee Roth. It, the, the magnetism that he had on the stage, because I do think, you know, with these bands, like you can't just go record, right? You have to go live. And David Lee Roth to see him perform was, was unlike anything, that energy, just that charisma. It was, it was, it was something else. So no, I am David Lee Roth all the way. The wife and I just bought tickets to see Roth for the Vegas residency yesterday. We're looking forward to that one. Yes. But back to you, back to you here. Oh, okay. 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 So we're here to talk again about the NFL and Amazon Prime. You're apparently Mm -hmm. on the new Lil Nas X album, which I don't think we knew. What else is going on for you? Because it seems like you're one of those people. You have that Maria Menounos condition where she has 12 jobs. You kind of have that too. So what else is going on? I know. I love Maria. You just never know when you're going to, you you can, you put on your TV on any channel, any time of the day, and she's probably on it. Um, I do uh, listen. um, I have a huge, uh, I have a foundation. Uh, We just had a huge event with all of my friends from, you know, the morning TV anchors to the sports center anchors to a, a bunch of like, uh, former NBA players and NFL players. And uh, we raise money for children who are disfigured by vascular anomalies, um, who are really, really in need, desperate need of surgeries. So uh, we just had that event. We raised a ton of money. All my friends put on aprons and they're the waiters, which is really cool. So we weren't able to do that during the pandemic and we were able to do that recently. Um, so that's something I've been involved in. I have my production company, got some projects in the works there. And of course, my 
main gig is sports center. So I'm there four days a week, um, sometimes getting up at three 30 in the morning to do that. Uh, so it's pretty crazy because sometimes I'm up at three 30 in the morning and then I'll be broadcasting at night during Thursday night football. So I'm pretty all over the map, uh, right now in the best of ways. And the last question I have uh, for you before I let you go, besides the NFL on Amazon prime, besides sports center, do you have a TV recommendation you could pass along to somebody who needs a new show to start? Oh, a new show to start. So I'm watching White Lotus, which is so good. So it's, you know, it's sort of like, I have a daughter who's in the, uh, the hotel business too. So that's how I started watching it. And then like the characters are unbelievable. So I love that. Uh, listen, I'm on the Ted Lasso train, like everybody else, anything Marvel, anything Marvel. Um, I'm all over that as well. But yeah, I think, I think White Lotus. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Keep up all the greatness that you're doing in and out of sports, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks. That was fun. Before I ask you about witch hunt, um, should I call you Gid Vicious or what do you like to be called? You can call me Gid Vicious. My godmother gave me that nickname. Sure. Well, Gid Vicious, when did you finish filming Witch Hunt? Oh, my gosh. Um... I think that was almost like two years ago, two and a half years ago. It was a, it, it, it's been a while. Yeah. Wow. Two and a half years ago. Obviously that's been a little bit. It's kind of hard to compute for me, like the timeline of that versus blockers. Like how long after finishing blockers was that? Um, <laughs> blockers came out four years ago. Right. So I'd say, maybe like almost two years after blockers. So did getting this role have anything to do with your work in blockers or was it more the craft? Um, actually I booked the craft after witch hunt. It was so random. Um, but no, I don't think so. Um, the, the team, uh, reached out to my, my people about this role and I met with Elle and I really, I honestly did the movie because I, I loved Elle and I, love female filmmakers. And um, I actually just worked with my first male director for like the first time on a feature. And um, yeah, but I love supporting women and Elle was really cool and I loved her vision and the story. So, yeah. Got it. So when you have a film that's very serious, there's not a lot of laughs in this film because it's very story driven per se. Is the vibe on the set always serious or is it the second they say cut there's a laugh or two when people relax a little bit you know there's always stuff going on behind the camera but um I would say every project I've done there's always there's I mean you're always goofing off I had a lot of fun with Abby Cohen we were just total nerds together like total nerds yeah it was a really fun shoot it was short but sweet Got it. When you finish a film like this, of course, that's not when the film is actually done in, as a whole. Was Did you get to see the film recently for the first time or did you actually see it two years ago? Um, I, when was this? It was in March or April, whenever South By was. Mm -hmm. um, I went to one of the producers um, had a little viewing in his backyard like our own little covid premiere 
And um, I'd seen it a long time ago, I think before it was like fully edited CGI and everything mm-hmm. involved. And that, it's always weird to see the rough cuts, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I brought uh, my three best friends to go and watch it. And um, I was very happy. I was, I was actually very surprised. Like they did a phenomenal job with it. It's sometimes funny though, when I do these interviews and people say, did you like the movie? And I go, oh yeah, I liked the movie. They go, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And you realize that sometimes you see the movie before the people in the movie itself did. So luckily you saw the movie before we talked yeah, about did all this. <laughs> did you like the movie? Sure. Uh, and I saw it after you did because you saw it at South by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. But this is not your only project. When I look at IMDb, you have a couple of films in post-production. Do you know what's next? Is it Sick or is it Who Am I that's coming out next? Um. So Sick, um, I believe, will be coming out beginning of next year that was really really fun that was an incredible project and it's actually my first you know starring starring lead role in something so it was a lot of work and um I really gave it my everything I really think you know Kevin Williamson fans and you know you slasher fans will really really love the movie it is awesome And um, Who Am I was a project I did for my friends, actually. They just, uh, you know, it was like total COVID project. And um, it's actually a movement piece. It's not really dialogue. um, And I play humor, the emotion humor. So all of us have different, you know, uh, uh, emotions that we're portraying in it. It's, It's really cool. I've never done like a silent piece. So I'm not sure when that one comes out, but uh, yeah. (laughs) So it sounds like you don't want to be in just one genre because obviously a film like this has nothing to do with blockers, which has nothing to do with some of your TV work because you've been on procedurals. It sounds like you also want to do big budget and little budget that you're doing art for art's sake. Sometimes it's a thing that millions of people see. Sometimes it's just with friends or for friends. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Witch Hunt and Who Am I, those are like the two indies I've done. And um, I enjoyed both of them. Like, I really wanted to work with Elle. I wanted to, you know, build that relationship. And, um, you know, I wanted to help out my friends with Who Am I. And yeah, I really think if I, if I connect with the project and I just, I do it. I don't think when you're an actor, you should ever want to do something just because it's a big project. You should always want to do something because you really love it. You could see yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, another interesting thing about you besides your work is that you studied photography before you went into acting full time. Mm -hmm. Is that still something that you're doing in your off time or interested in? Because I have to say the photography on your Instagram is excellent. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean, my kind of passion for photos started when I was younger I would go on these like photo safaris with my dad and um I got really into street photography when I was like 12 and um I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I was like you know what I'm gonna apply to college for photography and 
I just kind of would take photos of my friends, but I'd make it all very rule of thirds. And it was never on a real camera. It was always just on my iPhone. Like mm-hmm. if I liked something looked and um, I think I find a lot of beauty in things that most people don't in the world. And um, I still do love taking photos and I love, you know, taking little video clips of things. I'll never not do it. I don't fully focus on it anymore, but um, yeah, every day I'm taking pictures of things. The finding beauty in things that people don't generally associate as beautiful. Isn't that basically the premise of the show, Better Things? Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a hard one for me to watch because um, yeah, I can I imagine. Mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the girls that are portraying, you know, me and my sisters were not like that, but a lot of the, the storylines surrounding the characters that my mom created are very close to home. And yeah, I mean, it is about finding the beauty in the odd things. So I, I think my mom's done a good job of that. <laughs> I can imagine it is hard to watch because even if there are similarities, you know that there's such big differences and that the average person is going to go, oh, this is an autobiographical show. And like, no, it's not. I know (laughs) it, but I don't want to spend all my time explaining that to people. But we are huge fans of that show in this house. I know that you had a role. That was one of the first uh, TV things you did, if not the first. But the bottom line is we, we love what your family is doing. It's great to see that there's three generations of your family doing it in entertainment and your sister's also doing great. So that leads me to wonder when everybody's together for a meal, does the conversation center on entertainment or is it everything except entertainment? No, we never talk about work. I feel like sometimes even if we book something or we're doing a project, we find out later on, you know, and we never talk about work. No. That's awesome. So it sounds like you weren't encouraged to go into entertainment. That's just something you wanted to do and you kind of did it on your own. Yeah, me and Odessa, I mean, both of us uh, were not encouraged. If anything, we were like kind of pushed away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom, you know, knew I was always a theater nerd. I was always a Shakespeare junkie. I always did the little school plays, community theater. You know, I'd sing at the street fairs growing up. It's always something that I've loved. I did not think I'd end up doing it professionally. I did not. So, you know, that was pretty, it's pretty cool that I'm doing it now. I love it. Yeah, you're doing it. That's, that's the key. You're not just saying, hey, I want to be an actress. You're actually doing it and you have great credits. So two questions. <laughs> then you're free. And the, the first one is, who is your favorite musical artist or some of your favorite musical arts? Because I can't tell from your Instagram. Oh, why? Because I don't, what, like, why can't you tell? Well, you call yourself Gid Vicious, which is obviously a pun on Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. But uh, I don't know. Who are you into? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I am lucky enough to be raised by a family who has a very eclectic taste in music. I love, I love everything, I think, except for some new music nowadays, but I love rock. I love pop. I love classical. You know, my family comes from, hails from Europe. 
And um, I'm first generation on my father's side. So I grew up listening to a lot of classical music. My mom's very rock and roll. We love doo-wop, everything. Um, favorite musical artist. I was actually thinking about that in the car the other day because I was like, wow, this playlist is all over the place. I don't really have like, it would take me 20 minutes to figure out like top two, top three. It's really hard for me to do that. It's like choosing your favorite movie. I can't do that. Oh, I can tell you my favorite band in a second, but that's not the point we're talking about. What's your favorite band? At the moment, it's Kiss. And I know how bad Kiss is to most people's ears, but the history and the legacy, it's it's Jewish show business. My uncle's a big Kiss fan. Big. They're out there. (laughs) And then my last question is, besides Witch Hunt, what's something that we should be watching film or television-wise, if you could give us a recommendation? Hacks. Hacks is fucking phenomenal. I love that show. Hannah is a gene smart. I mean, come on. I watched that show in a day. So good. Hacks. So good. You've probably seen it, right? No, off my radar. Um, yeah, another Hacks. thing you've seen before me, uh, your film and Hacks. What? Can you repeat that question? Sorry. No, well, well, that's yet another thing that you've seen before I have because you saw oh, my first, film. you saw Hacks. You're seeing it all first. Hacks, HBO Max. <laughs> well, thank Which you. Hunt, out in theaters tomorrow. Now I know. Well, thank you for your time and looking forward to the future roles that you got coming. Keep up the great work there. Have a good day. There he is, Creed. How is it going there today? Hi, buddy. How you doing? Great. And yourself there? I'm doing great. Great. Uh, Are you dialing in from Texas? Yes, sir. I'm at home at the moment. Right on. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Let, let's get the plugs out of the way first. Uh, the upcoming album, Whiskey and the Dog. When did you actually finish it? I finished that album back in May. Sure. When you have an album done that long, does it feel that old? Or are you like used to that kind of a lead time? That's not quite like movies where they're done for two years. But hey, that's got to be an attorney where you wrote these songs and then you're just waiting to push them out into the, the world. And it feels like an eternity, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've listened to the album probably a hundred times. So. you had to learn the songs again no no i'm kidding <laughs> because you like it like it's it seems like it's the old album and not the new album but sure so is the next album sooner than later because this one is already aged in a good way <laughs> no i just try to put out a lot of content you know that's kind of my thing i try to about every three months i try to put out something new and Obviously, with getting with the label, I've slowed down a little bit to help promote this album the right way. But uh, the next album's called Rebel in the South. I've already got it done. Wow. I've got done. I've, I'm going to finish it here later this year. And that'll be coming out in February, the February, March time frame. Wow. Okay. So I guess that answers something I was going to ask, which is, are you the kind of artist who's writing every day or, you know, a couple of times a week. Sounds like it. I mean, to be honest with you, I used to write a lot, uh, you know, when I, 
I've been doing this about 10 years. So I probably had about 300 songs I'd written in my uh, younger days. And I still write just not as much. It just kind of, it kind of comes to me here and there these days. And then when I get ready to do a project, I just kind of sit down and, and knock it out. Sure. Well, do but, you yeah, have I'm, a... still, I'm still cutting songs that I recorded or that I actually wrote, you know, 10 years ago. So, well, that sounds like a band that I want to ask you a bit about Cole Van Halen, where there's rumors where there's songs on the 1984 album that were written in like 1975, like 10 years later, they were still going to the well from the original good stuff. That's kind of a good way to put it. That's kind of what I've done for years, you know. I'm on my 12th album, and I'm still cutting songs that I, you know, that I wrote 10 years ago. Sure. Hey. That's I, a good I think, ask. I think that's very interesting, though, because some artists I encounter, they will not, they do not have any interest in performing songs from the past because they're like that was a totally different guy i don't know who that guy is and other people go hey a good song is a good song you sound like the latter one a good song is a good song i'm right there with you man i'm still playing whiskey bit and hellbound <clears throat> by hank jr you know uh, i think when we play live a lot of the songs i mean i can't i just think they've just I can't see myself playing a show and not playing those songs, you know? Sure. You take I'll, a new song, like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you always want to mix in the new stuff, you know? But you, you always have the core of your set, the songs you play every show. Like, for me, it would be... One would be, I've been drunk and I'm still drinking, you know? I can't... Or, or Drink, Smoke, Cuss, and Fight, those two songs. I can't imagine playing a live show and not playing those, you know? Yeah, the hits. And... On, on the musical spectrum, you take a song like Jesus, Haggard, and Jones. Obviously, it's clear that your influences come from the country greats. But where does your country music fandom happen versus your classic rock? Did they happen at the same time? I think it's kind of a fight between the two uh, because I was born in 74. So my grandmother lived right next to us. And... My two uncles are big influences, you know, in my life, Uncle Pooch, Uncle Ronnie, you know, and so I got was getting two different things. You know, at home, I was getting Marty Robbins and classic country, Don Williams. And then at Grandma's house, I was getting Ted Nugent, and, you know, and I think those that's why I think helped blend my sound the way it is, is because I think also growing up being a teenager in the 80s during the hair metal days. I think uh, definitely got drawn into rock during that time. Mm -hmm. I think I started at country and got drawn into rock as I got older. And I think as I matured and grew up and got into my twenties, I think I came back to outlaw country, traditional country. And I think I just love both equally, you know, just, yeah, the, the big choruses in modern country music, I find, come from the Mutt Lang school of production. And Mutt Lang, of course, not only found success within some of the 80s hard rock bands, but Shania Twain was his bread and butter for a lot of years. So I don't think I've ever met a country artist 
a modern country artist who didn't love Van Halen, Rat, and Def Leppard. But they're all not like out about it per se. Yeah, I think just our generation. I mean, even even Hank grew up having Van, Van Halen in his videos, and you know, I think I think both styles of music just they tend to appeal to a certain demographic of people. You know, that's why. I my uh, Southern rock style of my music is, you know, it's every bit important to me as, as the, the outlaw country. Yeah. In, in the case of liking, say, Van Halen, did you also follow David Lee Roth's solo career after Van Halen? I did for a while. I got kind of bored with it after a few albums. <laughs> so you- and then, then uh, Sammy Hagar came into the mix with Van Halen, you know, and I love Sammy Hagar. So, yeah, I kept up with David Lee Roth for a while, you know, two or a couple albums after he left Van Halen, and I kind of got, I was kind of over it. Outrocast.